Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Six o'clock TV hour, don't be caught in four towers. Just thinking about tomorrow Clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow Till there's none When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely I just stick out my chin and grin and say Come out tomorrow, so you gotta hang on till tomorrow. Come what may, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love ya. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. Today's show is gonna be a little bit different than most. I mentioned on my last podcast that I'm gonna talk a little bit about politics. I know that makes a lot of you cringe and kind of grit your teeth and maybe want to turn off the podcast. But let me just tell you that you ought to listen through because I'm not going to talk about particularly my views on politics and who I'm supporting and not supporting and all that. But I'm going to pick things apart in a way that I've been thinking about for a while. And I'm going to answer a couple questions, particularly one that I keep getting asked over and over and over again. Now, even though I don't live in the U.S., I don't have a big dog in the fight, politics still matters to me because it's the future of the country. And even though I live in Nicaragua now, one day I'm sure I'll be back in the U.S. And what happens between now and then will probably affect me. So I encourage you to just listen up. And if you have any contradictory, is that a word? Contradictory, I think. Statements or opposing views or you agree with what I say, please email me. I'm happy to get opposing emails. and doesn't mean I'm going to start an email fight. I may not even respond. But I'd like to hear what everyone else thinks. So it's kind of an awkward position to be here because everyone gets to hear me, but then I don't get to hear everyone back. So I would be willing to read your emails if you're willing to tell me your thoughts on this particular podcast. So I'm going to start off even though I said I wasn't going to 
talk about my opinion on the politicians. I'm just going to start off and tell you my opinion of Donald Trump because that's going to come into play throughout the rest of the episode. I think Donald Trump is a complete phony. I think he's a liar. I think he's a con artist. I think he's arrogant. I think he's greedy. I think he has no intentions of helping anyone out but himself and people around him. I think he's not solid on anything. I think he flip-flops and goes back and forth. And and all the stuff that I'm saying, I, I have historical facts and all the stuff to back it up. I have his actions of things he's done in the past. I'm not going to go into all that. But I will say that he changed party affiliations four times in the last 16 years. So he's a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. He'll do whatever's best for him at the time. To me, that shows he has no morals, no values, and doesn't stand on a solid platform. This is his fourth attempt at running for president. And I'll give the man credit because he's done a good job at putting himself in a position to potentially win the presidency. He's a marketing guru, and he's done an awesome job at making a brand out of his name. That does not mean that he's a good leader. He's not respected by anyone. No one looks up to him, and he's not a motivator. He's not the kind of person you would want raising your kids, I don't think. He may train them to be rich. He may train them to be successful, but he's not going to train them to care about other people. He's not going to train them to be respectful. He's going to train them to look out for number one, which is great. In the business world, that works. We can choose not to buy your products if we don't like your personality. However, if you're leading the country, I don't think those characteristics are what we would choose in a leader. But there's no denying that he's done a phenomenal job getting people to follow him. He doesn't stand for anything that I stand for. We don't align on any political issues. We don't see eye to eye on anything. And the few details that he has given out are fuzzy and don't make mathematical sense. The man's views lean a lot farther to the left than they do the right. So just because you run under the Republican Party and you put an R after your name, is that supposed to mean that all of a sudden your views have changed and all the people that you gave money to and supported, you don't care about them anymore? Or is it more likely that you just want to be president and you saw a niche in the voter market and you're filling the niche? So that's what I think is going on. Maybe he is a phenomenal leader. Maybe people do look up to him. Maybe people respect him. But I'd be willing to bet that they fear him more than they respect him. And that's no way to lead. So the main confrontation that I get from people in regards to this issue, whenever I inform them that I will not vote for Trump, I don't think he can change my mind. I will listen to him until November 8th, and I'll go into it with an open mind. But I'm pretty sure I've got the guy pegged. And as of right now, I will not vote for him, and I will not vote for Hillary. Because neither of those two politicians share the same beliefs, values, morals, ideals that I do. Now, the question that I get from everyone is, if you don't vote for Trump, you might as well be voting for Hillary. And I cannot tell you how sick and tired I am of hearing that. There's nothing farther from the truth. And here's why. Because the opposite could be said. If you don't vote for Hillary, you might as well be voting for Trump. I don't want either one of them to win. And so my solution to that is to vote for third party or don't vote. And more than likely, I'll vote for third party because I want my voice to be heard 
and I want it to be known that I'm not satisfied with either of the two candidates. But the main problem that I have with voting for someone, the, the, the lesser of two evils, is that that's what's got us stuck with this pathetic two-party system that we have. Doesn't it make sense to vote for the person that you support and not for the opponent of the person you oppose most? Just think about that for a second. If you vote for the opponent of the person you oppose, then you're not necessarily voting for who you support. You say, oh, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. But if people continue to do that, we will still have this two-party system. And a lot of people can't think about the long term. They think about, oh, well, if Hillary gets in, the Supreme Court's going to get appointed these liberal people and we're going to shift liberal. But I think a bigger issue is to think about the long run, not just the next four years, not just the next eight years. We've had a Democratic president for the last eight years. We know how to deal with it. It's fine. Life's not that different. Things could be better. But regardless of who wins this election, neither is desirable, in my opinion. And I know it seems daunting to change the entire political system and the process. But if you got a train sitting on the tracks, it's got 150 cars. It takes so much energy for that train to move the first inch. And it doesn't seem realistic. You got to fire up that engine. You got to get it going. You got to put power to the clutch or whatever, turn the wheels. And then once that train starts moving, then it's easier to move and it can build momentum. You can get it where you want it to go. And that's kind of the way that I see this is that the first initial change doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But if you get enough people doing it and they can see the big picture, then voices are heard. If you think about how the politicians try to gain votes, it seems to me that they're busier slamming their opponent than they are talking about what they're going to do. And the reason that they do that is because throughout history, they've learned that you can gain votes by getting people to vote for the opposite of their opponent. But weren't we taught as kids to vote for who we support and make that selection on what we think is best? And why in the world do we have two categories? Either you fall into one of two categories, a Democrat or a Republican. There's so many different viewpoints in the world that are continually changing. And there's so many different laws. There's so much different technology. How can we reasonably assume that majority of those viewpoints fall together into one or another category. It makes sense that maybe when the country was founded and the, and the government was established, that yeah, you probably were one of two different types of people. But think about how much has changed. Think about all the technology. Think about all the regulation that's been in place to regulate cars, airplanes, railroads, internet, shipping. I mean, you, you can go on and on. So with every single one of those new pieces of technology comes different viewpoints and to think that we can classify everything into one or the other a or b black or white just seems preposterous especially with the technology that we have and the way that we can communicate with people how many politicians slammed trump during the bulk of the primaries when there were 17 republican candidates how many people slammed him all of them. Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, Ben Carson, John Kasich, and now they're all kissing up to him. They're sucking up, hoping they can possibly get the VP nomination. Or maybe a spot in his cabinet. Or maybe just somewhere, just somewhere, Mr. Trump. Just just give me a job. I just, I want to work for you, Mr. Trump. 
I want to change the government. But that's what keeps the two-party system alive, is that you have to pick one or the other. And it's funny to me that when you think about voting and putting people into political positions, when you go back to middle school and high school, how many different people did you have running for student body president? More than two. And as you move up in the pyramid of politics, the field of candidates within a particular election seems to get smaller and smaller and smaller. So you have less to choose from until you get to president. You got to pick one or the other. You only get two choices, but I think if enough people start to vote third party, they'll see the third party gaining votes. And then someone will step out and say, you know what? This third party has a voice. I'm going to run third party. And then we'll add a fourth party and then a fifth party. I don't see anything wrong with having five presidential candidates. Because there's people out there that may agree with one thing that's liberal and another thing that's conservative. Or three or four things that's liberal and two that's conservative. And then you might have a chance of voting for someone that you support instead of the opponent of who you disapprove. Seems logical, right? And I agree with the sentiment that what it takes to be the president or the leader of the nation is not what it takes to lead a business or a nonprofit organization or different types of associations. Like the qualities that a leader needs to lead people seems to be a little bit different than qualities that a politician needs to win votes to put him into office so that he can control things. So I get that most people who go into politics start out with the intentions of doing good, but I think that the people who are very successful in politics are extremely confident, have big egos, they're smart, they're friendly, they're charismatic, and that's what it takes to be successful in politics. Along the lines, you make friends, you make enemies. You want to help out your friends, your friends help you out. But I think if the people have the ability to start selecting and choosing outside of the Republican or the Democratic establishment, we might start seeing people that care. We might start seeing, I mean, if someone really cared, they'd say, you know what, I'll be president for free. I've made enough money, I'll be president for free. You can take that half a million dollars, whatever they do, and do something else with it. I don't need Secret Service. I don't need to fly around in a giant Air Force One. Let me fly around in a little $30 million Gulfstream. Give the other $70 million to something else. I don't need all that Secret Service. I'm a good guy. Everyone will like me. No one will want to kill me. I don't need Secret Service. I mean, that'd be refreshing to hear someone say that. Or, I don't need Secret Service. I'm going to do my best. I'm here for everyone. If someone wants to kill me, let them kill me. I'll have a small security detail, but I won't need to close off streets. How much money gets tied up in that? It'd just be nice to see someone set their own agenda aside and try to operate in a realm that benefits everyone from the layabouts that sit at home and don't work all day to the billionaires. It seems to me like you could find programs that everyone can benefit from. Just give us someone that can facilitate the desires of most people. Why can't we incorporate technology? Why do we have to have delegates when everyone has an iPhone or access to the internet? Not everyone, but a vast majority of Americans do. And why can't every decision that needs to be made 
be put out there for people to vote on? And then most people's response to that is, well, some people shouldn't vote because they're not educated enough in certain areas. So they may vote for something that would benefit them directly, but would have a far more negative impact on other people. So my solution to that would be, you can have, for for lack of a better word, a, a salesman. So you have these demographic of people. So let's just say it's the mid-30s to 40s uh, blue-collar working man. And so there's something comes up to vote. And so you have people that represent the different political parties, A, B, C, D, E, whatever. They're out campaigning on those issues. And they do their best to explain to the people how everything works. So you'd have people campaigning on different sides of the issue. You'd have people explaining to one demographic why it's good for them, and you'd have someone else explaining why it could be bad for them or bad for someone else. And then maybe in order for you to vote on your iPhone, you know, there's no need to go stand in lines. You can, you can vote every day of the week on just little things that pop up. And maybe in order for you to vote, you have to pass a little test to show that you're educated on the issue. If you're not educated on some basic things, then you don't get to vote. And so when you have that, you'll have people explaining things, uh, points and, and, and viewpoints in regards to certain issues in a way that people can understand. Because I guarantee you, those people do not speak the same language as Ted Cruz. And they can't relate to him. They can't understand him. They don't get it. They don't understand how you can go borrow a million dollars to run for president when they can barely even make their mortgage. And so you put people in the position that can explain to those people how things work, the good and the bad, and then you have a scheduled election and let let your salespeople educate the masses and let the masses pick. Instead of this this rhetoric, these politicians that spew things out that no one understands and if they do understand it, a lot of it's so basic that it doesn't make sense financially and you can't make the numbers work on paper. Trump just says things like, oh, we're going to bring jobs back. So we're going to bring them back from China. But he doesn't explain that if we do that, the price of those goods is going to go up for a lot of reasons. Because of all the regulations here, because the Chinese work for cheaper And so the businesses aren't going to bear that cost. They're just going to pass it on to the consumer. So more than likely, the sales will go down. The businesses will make less money because they're not selling as much because the price went up. And the consumers will forego buying that product when it was in a price point that they would spend the money. Now the price has gone up and they choose not to buy it, spend their money on other things. So producing things in the U.S. is not necessarily a good thing. We've moved them overseas so that we could get things produced for less money and more people could have them. Corporations could make more and the consumer can now have a toaster oven for $30 when if it was made in the U.S., who knows what it would be, but it would not be the same price. We can all agree to that. And I think a lot of politicians don't think outside the box. They stick with this normal policy, cut entitlements, cut spending, you know, cut, cut everything. When I think that we could work towards a transition... Maybe instead of cutting entitlements altogether, we take a portion of the entitlements and we build trade schools or we let the private sector run trade schools. The government will then subsidize the people who are unemployed's attendance to these trade schools. So instead of sitting at home saying you're looking for a job when you're really not, 
you have to go to trade school. You have to learn a trade. If you're not willing to work for that price after trade school, you don't get any entitlements. You don't get help. You've proven that you can go to school. You've proven that you can learn. You just don't want to work at a certain job. So in that case, you shouldn't get help from the government. I believe that a vast majority of the people in the U.S. that are unemployed choose to be unemployed. And as long as that keeps up, it's not going to get any better. Because everyone has a threshold of the price at which they will stay home and not work. I mean, I do too. You offer me enough money, I'm not going to work. I'll sit at home. It just so happens that everyone has a different threshold. But the threshold's not going to go down. It's not going to start going backwards. We will not incentivize people to work if we continue to pay them to sit at home. To me, it's no different than the 45-year-old guy who lives in his mom's basement and he doesn't work, and he plays video games, and he writes his name on the orange juice, and maybe he gets some disability, maybe he gets some unemployment, and all the friends of the mom and the dad who are supporting the son say, cut him off. Cut him. You're enabling him. You're allowing him to get by without being productive. But when we think on a big picture, there's a lot of people out there that aren't willing to do that. And even people who lean on the Democratic side of things will tell their friend whose son might be taking advantage of them, cut him off. Don't support him. You're enabling him. When you look at it on the macro level, they don't think that. They think that everyone just falls under hard times. No one's taking advantage of anyone. And we should try to help everyone as much as we can. And I don't know where that disconnect is, but it's definitely there. Why in the world are we arguing about bathrooms? Why is that even a topic? Whose place is it for the government to decide? Why can't each business decide whether they want to have one bathroom, two bathrooms, or three bathrooms? Because that business will by default cater to what the common people want. What do their consumers want? And that's what they'll do because they're here to make money. And if it takes adding a third bathroom so they don't lose customers, that's what they'll do. If they can get by with one bathroom and force everyone into it, and not have to spend money on bathroom two and three, and their sales won't go down, that's what they'll do. And if the consumer doesn't like it, they have the right not to shop there. As far as schools go and public entities, I see no reason why people can't vote on that on every single school. If you live in that school district and your kids attend the school, you should be able to pick up your iPhone and vote yes or no on the bathroom situation. We have plenty of technology to do that. We bank online and we trust it, and it doesn't get hacked very often. So I don't see any reason why we couldn't build a little app for the iPhone. You register with the school district, and you have the right to vote. Because in some places of the country, it's more accepted to have transgender whatever bathrooms than other places. And so it doesn't seem logical to force the opinions of one group or the other onto the opposing group. If you live in a school district, and you vote against the trans whatever bathrooms, and you got voted against and you want your kid to experience a transgender bathroom, you go move to a different school district. There's so many different school districts in the country. They're not limited. If it's that important to you, you pick up and you move. Or if you live in a school district that has the opposite and they say, hey, everyone can go into every bathroom and you don't like that, then you move to a school district that suits your needs. And by doing this, you'll create a competitive environment amongst states. And people will flock to areas to live around people that are similar to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a reason why Mexicans all live in the same area. There's a reason why 
Somalis and Indians, when they move to a community, they all live around each other. There's a reason why all the blacks live around each other. There's a reason why whites live around each other. And that's because they choose to. They want to be around people that are similar to them. And I'm not saying this across the board. I'm not saying this for everyone. I'm just saying in general. Generally, people live around people which are like them. And that's okay. They're choosing to do that. One last thing about the Donald, and I'm kind of going to leave it at that. You know, there's a certain kind of person that marries someone that's 20 years younger than them and is extremely beautiful and more than likely doesn't share the same viewpoints on a lot of things. I'd be willing to bet that she's not up to speed on the current events, the political state, the situation of what's happening around the world. And, and I know that's judgmental. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. If someone had a gun to my head and they made me guess, I would probably guess that she's not. And so the type of person that seeks out and marries someone that in all reality is not very similar, you have to question that a little bit. I mean, we see movie stars, we see very rich guys marrying younger girls. We see that all the time. And if that makes them happy, that's fine. But you can't deny that there's a certain personality type that seeks out those relationships. And in my opinion, that personality type is someone who's arrogant and someone who maybe, I'm going to go on a limb here, and, and doesn't need her for much more than a couple things. And that's not the kind of person that you want in the country. That's great for Hollywood. It's great for People Magazine. Is that really the kind of person that you want leading the country? Now, for a second, I'm going to talk to you Bernie Sanders. And I'm not going to bash Bernie because that podcast would never end. But what I am going to do is say if you're not satisfied with Hillary, and you're, obviously you're not going to be satisfied with Trump, please vote third party or don't vote. It's best to vote third party because that's like a none of the above check. And I've recently learned that in Canada, they do have a, an empty ballot. So you can just, it's like a no vote. And so I wish the U.S. had that because it's, it's a way for us to communicate that we're not satisfied with either one. And if, that, if that's never known, then we'll just continue with this two-party system where we're forced to vote for the lesser of two evils. And it's amazing to me that we're satisfied with that, that everyone's okay. It's just been the way that it's been, the way it's going to be, and we just we got we to pick someone other than Hillary. We got to pick somebody other than Hillary. She'll appoint liberal justices. And a country will go down the tubes. Let's not forget that we have millions of people lined up trying to get in the U.S. People are fighting. People are jumping through the rivers. People are wanting to climb over walls. Stowaways. They're getting rafts. They come from Cuba and Haiti. And they do everything they can to get here. It's not that bad. But we could derail the, the 50-50 political system by just voting third party. And it may not happen for 20 or 30 years, but a change has got to start somewhere, just a little bit at a time. I don't know if I'd be having these thoughts if Ted Cruz was getting the nomination because I was a Ted Cruz supporter. But maybe it's good for us to see this. If Trump wins, you know what? The voters get what they deserve. That's what I said about Obama, too. We'll have to see in November. That's all for the political rants. I hope you're listening all the way to the end. Once again, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I know this particular episode had nothing to do with Life in Paradise, but I had to get it off my chest. And so what I'm going to do, the next time somebody says, If you don't vote for Trump, you vote for Hillary. 
I'm going to send them a link to this podcast. And say, call me when you're done. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf.com. Or send me an email, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. Sunny, skies are sunny